Hello and welcome to Across the States. I'm your host, Hunter Hamberlin. Today we are joined by Alec, Associate Director of the Tax and Fiscal Policy Task Force, Skip Estes. Thanks for joining us today, Skip. Thanks so much for having me, Hunter. I'm excited to join you for the second episode of the Good States, Bad Cities podcast. I appreciate that. Today, we're going to be talking about local minimum wages and furthermore, why they're harmful. So Skip, why are local minimum wages harmful? Well, minimum wages are very similar to taxes in the sense that it oftentimes creates an arbitrary increase in the cost of doing business in an area. So when you have states, oftentimes with very concentrated economic activity in a large city, states like Washington State with Seattle or Colorado with Denver or Arizona with Phoenix, when those localities have the authority to increase minimum wages high above the market rate, then you're actually going to see the overall economic environment and the overall economic performance of that state significantly decline as a result. So when these localities have the authority to pave their own path when it comes to minimum wages, what you find is that state economies actually suffer as a result. So just for reference for our listeners, which cities have high local minimum wages? So a lot of cities across the nation have very high minimum wages. Primarily, it's some of the largest cities. So cities like Chicago, Seattle, Denver, and then in California, because of the political nature of that state, so many large to medium-sized cities have their own minimum wage policy, which can create a patchwork of different wage regulations and policies across the state and make the uh, policy compliance very expensive for businesses. So thinking about all that, What is a high local minimum wage? What is it going to do to the net migration of constituents and other residents of the state? What is that going to do to it? So when you have high minimum wages, and just to be clear, a high minimum wage is not a specific number. A high minimum wage depends on the economic environment of the state. So if you have a state that has a very high cost of living, like California, what's a quote-unquote high minimum wage is not going to be the same value in California as it is in a low cost of living state like Mississippi or Arkansas. So when you're talking about a high minimum wage, it's hard to answer which is actually going to be the high minimum wage that causes economic problems. But I think it should be clarified that any minimum wage that's set above a market rate for labor actually is going to be, by definition, that high minimum wage that you're talking about that causes economic problems for states. Talk to me about, you know, what Elon Musk has said in the media. He said that he's moving to Texas because of all the high taxes and the really bad fiscal policy in California. Now, is that one of the reasons why? Because of high local minimum wage in California. Is that one of the reasons why? Well, so you're exactly right that Elon Musk has announced that he's left and relocating much of his investment to Texas instead of California. And you're right that he's identified taxes as being one of those major reasons. But in California, one of those localities that we talked about having very high minimum wages is Alameda County, California, which is where his main Tesla factory is located. So there's a really great indicator there that the higher than normal minimum wage set in Alameda, which if I recall correctly is around $15 an hour, that that actually incentivized Elon Musk to relocate and leave Alameda, California for Texas. That's interesting. He is a very big fish in an already very big pond. So it's interesting that he's leaving California to go to Texas. And it you know just makes sense for what we're all talking about regarding you know fiscal policy. And you know in states that have you know not so good fiscal policy or fiscal policy that doesn't really attract or entice people to stay, then they're just going to leave. 
go somewhere else. And Elon Musk isn't alone in that. Over the past 10 years, around 800,000 Californians have left California for other states across the country. The primary recipient of those former Californians, just like Elon Musk, is Texas. Interesting. So I think it's Nashville and then Austin, Texas are two of the biggest cities with like the most migration, I think, from like other states. I don't have that data off the top of my head, but I think those are the two of the main cities that come up when we talk about cities that are having a booming population. And that's because of the state's you know, fiscal policy. So that's interesting that we're bringing it up today. So Skip, just you know, the broader question, I guess, being how do local minimum wage laws decrease the state's overall economic competitiveness? So by setting local minimum wage laws, what cities do is they actually make it illegal for employers and employees to come to an agreed upon wage that's lower than that level. And what you find when you look into the record of policymaking around minimum wages is that that amount that lawmakers decide is the new minimum wage that people can't make agreements below that is actually an arbitrary limit. There's no estimation as to what a living wage would be in that area. And it's just a feel-good number that people decide that it should be unethical for somebody to employ another person at a wage below that level. And while it might sound nice and rosy, what you actually find when you dive into the data is that minimum wages reduce employment, reduce family take-home income, and they actually increase the strain on the social safety net. So things like unemployment insurance and social security disability and social security supplemental income, actually the disbursements from those welfare programs to people increase, which indicates that minimum wages increase poverty or the most extreme forms of poverty. And that's the problem with minimum wage in general. But when localities create their own minimum wages, especially like I was saying in states that have a lot of their economic activity concentrated in one city, what you find is that those local minimum wages actually have an outsized impact on the state economy overall. So are there any cities that are in particular states where the cities have high local minimum wages, but other than the cities, that state is typically very economically competitive? Are there any instances of that in your research? There are. So one state that I wanted to highlight is Washington State. Washington State does not collect a corporate income tax. Washington State does not collect a personal income tax. And yet Seattle has set their minimum wage at $15 an hour. And there's other localities around Washington that have actually set it higher than $15 an hour. And what they found when they discussed the effects of the minimum wage with business owners is that business owners actually moved much of their investment out of Seattle to neighboring localities like Bellingham or Bellevue, Washington. And the University of Washington actually produced a study examining employment and poverty in Seattle before and after the minimum wage increase. And what they found is that employment decreased and poverty increased over that period. Wow, wow. So what is the solution to prevent, you know, employment from decreasing and from poverty from increasing and from, you know, people just leaving the state altogether. What What is the solution that you can tell local city and county governments? So in states where there's a handful of cities that have a large share of economic activity for the whole state happening in that one city, so states like Colorado or Washington, where they have Denver and Seattle respectively, state legislators need to consider bringing control over wage policy back with the state governments where it should belong. So states that have a strong Dillon rule tradition. So in other words, the Dillon rule is a definition of a relationship between local governments and states. The Dillon rule basically is a relationship between state and local governments where the local government's authority actually is a grant from the state government. So at the outset, local governments have very limited authority and any authority they get is a grant from states. So in states that have a strong Dillon rule relationship with their local governments, bringing wage policy back under control of the state legislature is a great way that state legislators can get firmer 
management over their state's overall economic competitiveness and not letting essentially rogue city governments craft their own fiscal policies that end up negatively impacting the state. Awesome. And so just uh, to be clear, the American City County Exchange, we believe the Dillon Rule guards against runaway local governments and grants state government the power to rein in irresponsible and uncooperative local governments. Now, opposite ends, what about states that have a home rule relationship with their local government rather than a Dillon Rule? A home rule state is the opposite of a Dillon Rule state. So rather than in Dillon Rule, when localities get power granted to them by the states, in home rule states, localities already begin with a significant amount of policymaking authority. So that's generally a, you know, a political culture in that state that policymakers simply can't work around by passing a bill. That's kind of where the state has structured itself as. So in states that have a home rule relationship between state governments and local governments, one way that state governments can include more participation in that local government process is by requiring localities to pass significant fiscal changes. So either a tax increase, a new tax or a new minimum wage that that locality has to get approval from voters before doing so. And the reason why that that's actually an important reform is because many cities, many large cities, too, have very small local legislatures. So many cities, I believe Seattle's local legislature is somewhere around 10 or fewer people. They're making policy for a city of multi-millions. That's one of the lowest constituent to representative ratios in any legislature out there, which is inherently undemocratic in the sense that you have a group of 10 or less people making significant policy decisions for millions out there. So one way that legislatures with home rule states can greater affect local policymaking is requiring those localities to have referendums and making that inherently limited engagement process with policy more transparent and more democratic and allowing constituents in those cities to have a voice on economic issues. Well, you heard it here first. Local minimum wages, bad. Good fiscal policy, great. Thanks, Kip, for joining us. And to all of our listeners, you'll hear us next time. This has been Hunter Hamberlin with Across the States. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.